Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and this week we're joined, as always, by Pete Donaldson, Japan's Hello. biggest enthusiast. How you doing, Pete? <laughs> I love when, it when you're a little bit green and you've not really uh, done a show with me for a little while. You get a little bit confused about what my intro is. But you, look, Forget change it up. Change it up. Forget my name. I don't care, mate. I'm, I've got a different look these days. I've got a little moustache. I've got a ponytail. It's all going off. You look like you've just come out of the 1960s, the late 1960s. But <laughs> to be fair, that's not the reason that I screwed up the opening. The reason I screwed up the opening is today I went outside. Uh, well, this mm. morning I opened the news up and it said there was going to be lots of smog today in mm. Japan. Now, obviously lots of smog in East Asia typically because China's the factory of the world. Um, but we don't normally get it here because some, mm. some of the air currents kind of push it all away and right. we avoid it. But it, apparently there was like a smog warning. I was like, there isn't going to be smog. Nonsense. Went out the front door and it is smog. It is. Wow. So there's so much smog. Like I couldn't see the sun. It was behind this sort of yellow haze. Oh uh, the town of like Sendai, everything was just gone. And um, yeah. it's not done me much good. As a mild asthmatic, <laughs> it's a terrible thing to happen. But uh, it's, it's it's something that kind of I think um, living in London for a long time, and I'm, I'm a mm. pretty uh, pretty extreme asthmatic. I got my uh, jab pretty early on, my COVID jab, and uh, I'm going for my second uh, in about three or four weeks' time. Um, but because um, because it's, it's quite bad. But um, I I've never really sort of I don't think I've ever experienced a whole lot of smog uh, mm. in London, even though that's got a bit of a reputation. But when you go to places like I think I was in, uh, it must have been Beijing. I remember sort of feeling, it feels yeah. really close, doesn't it? It feels really like, it feels like the, the, the smog clouds are really, really low uh, and it really gets on your chest. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult to breathe. Yeah, like they, I mean, they wear face masks there. I've been wearing them for decades mm. just to sort of get through the smog. But like, it's, yeah, I, I've never really experienced it like this in Japan before. So it's been a weird day. I, at first, I just thought, oh, you know, it's just clouds, but. Mm. There's something. There's a sort of texture to it, an unpleasant texture, and yeah, just it's just the yellow sort Isn't of it? the sun and the sort of the sky just looking this yellow colour is quite unpleasant. I, I wonder oh. because obviously the smog is just you know c- combustibles getting burned off or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder what products are in your lungs right now, like where the particles <laughs> came from 
trainers or uh, like uh, uh, I don't know, like an arcade <laughs> machine or something. Like what? Like or just a bit of like PVC piping for a house? Like what part of of industry is in your lungs right now? There must be so many different products dancing around in your lungs. It's probably my asbestos bath mats from Christmas. Remember those? Exactly. That's, what, that's what it is. They've come back, burnt to pieces. No, it's horrible, though. Sounds like a game show. What's in your lungs? I dread to think how <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, that would go for I mean, Fanatsky, it's just a normal day. Um, giving yeah, smokes Natsuki, 30 yeah he's probably he probably feels free. He's probably like, well, this is a lot easier than the smoking 30 are there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's horrible, but yeah. Smog. To be fair, though, Japan, given it's a relatively small country, very densely populated, 125 mm. million people, the, the the air quality is really good here because they've got, they've got mm. the um, the Pacific air current and the, mm. the Siberian winds. But sometimes it does come across mm. from the sort of the southwest, from sort of China. South Korea gets it the worst. If you go on an mm. air quality index, just on a map, at the mm. moment, like all of Japan's kind of yellow and red, and then Korea and China are just purple. That whole area is right. purple, and it's like yeah. very dangerous levels. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's very, very bad. Oh, Don't well, to do. Look pain. after yourself, mate. Look after yourself. Get yourself a one of those kind of um, is it N95 masks that we? I mean, I guess everyone's masked up anyway nowadays, so um, you probably don't experience it as, as bad as you might yeah. do. <laughs> Put on two two masks and a spacesuit just to get yeah. through. But speaking of. Uh, Speaking of horror, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, we had a story. Uh, a guy called Max who got on a po- got on a got on a podcast. He got on a roller coaster, <laughs> and it turned out he was overweight, and uh, they didn't let him on. I think that was the story. Do you remember vaguely what happened, Pete? <laughs> that was it, wasn't um, it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was just too too big for the roller coaster. I suppose they they they, they worried about him and, and and took him off. They they I weighed him, didn't they? And then took they him did. Off. Yeah, I think I, that was why the story was so ridiculous. Uh, Max was at the back of the queue. Some staff were like, come this way, young man. He was like, oh, wow, I've been upgraded to the front of the roller coaster. And they <laughs> ushered him to the front of the roller coaster to a scale, put him on the scale. And he was like, oh, it's, it's, it's not an oh, upgrade. It's, this, it's humiliation. It? In front of like 50 people, <laughs> they weighed him and then said, no. This is the day I get humiliated. Yeah. It, it, uh, um, and, and so we've had, we've had a few like messages from people sort of uh, experiencing mm. being too, too hefty or too large. To yeah. uh, heroi, no, not heroi. Uh, what was futoi <laughs> uh, for a roller coaster? <laughs> oh, Japanese knowledge. He Thank still you. remembered it. We we got one this week uh, from Liam and uh, Max. Unfortunately, was a little bit overweight. And to be fair, Japanese roller coasters are built to a slightly different standard, I think. But uh, right. Liam was too tall. And his story begins: Good day, Chris and Pete. Listening to the trials and tribulations of poor Max and the the lad that wasn't permitted onto a roller coaster, I thought I'd share a tale as to my own experience with being a larger lad on roller coaster and why these checks are probably in place for the weight. My friend and I took on the roller coaster atop the buildings at Tokyo Dome City. Uh, this roller coaster goes through the buildings and over the streets below. I've always wanted to go there. You know what? I've never been to Tokyo Dome. Have you Have you been mm. around there? No, no. Where it's like the coolest it? venue. It's kind of like in between Akihabara and Shinjuku, but it's in this like weird bit of Tokyo that I've just never needed to go through. Oh, is it, uh, is it, is it, the, is it where the Tokyo Dome, where they do the baseball? Is that the Tokyo Dome? They might do. I, I know a lot it. of... A lot of big musicians play there, like um, mm. Hyde from Larkinsale. But Right, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's like a theme park with a roller coaster in the middle of oh. Tokyo. I don't know how I've never gone. <laughs> anyway, um, Liam continues. My friend is six foot six and a stocky 115 kilograms, and I am a six foot three and a solid 110 kilograms. But we were pumped as we got to the front of the car. Um, by far the best place to truly experience a roller coaster. Mm. We took our seats, and as the safety bar came down to lock us in, we were instructed to push the bar 
over our legs. Given that these rides are probably made for the more petite Japanese people, this proved to be rather difficult. <laughs> After a brief struggle, we only managed to get one solitary, stubborn click on the safety la- on the safety latch. <laughs> um, given all the other people around us were getting 10 to 20 clicks, the staff decided that this would not suffice and stalled the entire ride. A small gentleman came to try and secure us further by pushing all of his weight onto the bar. Four, ma- <laughs> four more staff joined. Four... <laughs> four more staff joined the push party a sight to see for all the locals behind <laughs> us i'm sure we got two more clicks on the latch which was determined to be safe enough on one sharp right turn towards the end of the ride gravity forced my friend's weight uh, down on me and we heard a click and felt the bar loosen we both looked at each other to confirm we'd both felt it for the rest of the ride we desperately <laughs> held the safety bar to our bodies hoping that we weren't about to be hurled from the ride. What I felt like an age later, we pulled into the base, and I saw at least one staff member happy to see us both there. Um, it could have, all, <laughs> could have all been in our heads, but after that experience, it's easy to see why they do need to have size limits on rides in Japan. We went straight mm. to the bar and drank until we could laugh about the whole experience. Uh, thanks for letting me share. Liam from Perth. What do we from make of that? Bar, from one bar to the other. I mean, I like the fact that they were going, right, okay, so they got three clicks, in total, and then had one click removed while they were on the, on the <laughs> ride. Just sort of going, right, how many have we got in the bank? How many clicks have we got in the bank? Oh, God. Oh, God. It's, it's I mean, ominous, isn't it? It is ominous, but I, I think it's it's very strange that, like, you know, Australia and uh, – are they from Australia? Have I just yes, sort of made yeah, that perfect. up? Yeah. They start, the, they start the goddamn email with a good day, for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> Liam uh, does. Um yeah, like, I don't know what it is about, like, Australia and New Zealand, but, like, mm. n- like guys are just built like fucking farmhands. They're just massive, <laughs> tall men, like gigantic kind of wrestlers. Um, and, 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 yeah, and it's, it's, it's really close to, like, Singapore and, and, and Japan and, and, and China. I don't understand why they make such big men in New Zealand and Australia. It's very strange. <laughs> What's going on down there? Is it's it the, the popularity of rugby. You can't, probably, make, you can't rugby, make someone bigger. Why is everyone so big? Why, why are all like the lads in Clapham just massive, the Aussies? Absolutely insane. If you're from Australia and <laughs> New Zealand, tell us, why are you so big? Why are you why so are strong? Why are you so big? <laughs> Have you come off a roller coaster in Japan? To be fair, and it's yeah. a point of comfort for our taller listeners or those of you that worry that you're not going to fit onto a Japanese roller coaster. I've never heard a story of anyone foreign dying or flying off of a roller coaster. It's not like the one in the UK where everyone mm. got their legs chopped off a few years ago because the roller mm. coaster broke. I remember that one a, time... That was not ideal. I was at, Alton, I was at um, Thorpe Park, which is uh, one of the biggest theme parks in the UK, just by London. Mm. And uh, there was a ride there called Saw, I think, the Saw ride. And yeah. the roller coaster, just before... There's a, it goes up really high, and then it sort of goes over the top and f- goes down almost vertically. Mm. It's a vertical drop uh, mm. of a, a few carriages. It got to the top of the ride the peak and just as it was about to go over the top it stopped it broke and mm. i remember they're up there for like 45 minutes just like peering down over the edge <laughs> the, the precipice <laughs> of this roller coaster like that is true horror that is the ultimate is, horror yeah. roller coaster sitting there for well, 40 you, minutes <laughs> not knowing when the moment's going to come that you're going to go throwing yeah. over the edge 
It must just be like a safety mechanism because because like the the ones that are in like Thought Park, these are roller coasters. It's like um, Universal Studios or Disney or whatever. Mm. It's like these are resident. It's not like a dodgy carnival that just turns up in your town and then fucks off uh, <laughs> after uh, you know after killing people. <laughs> it goes to the next town. Yeah, I yeah. went on one uh, the weekend called the Master Blaster, um, oh, which is just a, a big long seat that sort of rotates really quickly. And um, I think I'm getting a bit old. I was like, that was a bit much to be honest. I got very the excited about going on it. Rotates quickly. It's just that a seat dreadful. that rotates quickly. It was. It was. It was pretty. Um, you could do that in the comfort sedate. of your own apartment. You could do that in the comfort <laughs> of your own home, Pete, on your spinny uh, desk chair. Your spinny desk chair. Yeah. Oh, awful, dear. awful business. But yeah, take comfort, folks. If you come to Japan, mm. nothing bad has happened. I guess it's maybe a lot of people just get turned away. Yeah. Keep an <laughs> ear out for those clicks. Got a story this week. A few stories. One of the stories that we, you know, every every now and then a story breaks from Japan and it goes global and everyone messages kind of messages us about mm. it to cover it and we've had one this week involving a squid statue uh, have you heard about this gigantic squid statue pete did it make it to the uk on the bbc Cer- certainly did and, and to be honest all of the uh the the, the um equal japanophiles uh got in touch on twitter and uh, sent it our way as well because i was cc'd in an astonishing bit of uh, bad uh, council work. I cannot believe what that. I love it. I absolutely love. It. It's like as if we were the mayor. Like, uh, look, this is what we need. This is what we need. We need a big statue of a squid. <laughs> it is bonkers. So uh, there's a coastal town, right? Um, in it's, it's called Noto, and it's near it's near Kanazawa. And I've never been there, mm. but I've had Noto beefu, um, Noto gyu. I've always found that really inconvenient to say. I remember there was a video I did on Journey Across Japan literally three days before you turned up when we were going through mm. Kanazawa. And there was a street market selling notogyu and it, noto sort of wagyu. And mm. it just seems, it was just really awkward being like, oh, I'll have the noto beef. It's like, <laughs> not beef? Yeah, not, not beef, not beef. It's just bloody inconvenient. But now they've done I've, something I've, worse I've... than that. <laughs> they they've, they've literally built a statue of a giant squid that cost 200 and thirty thousand dollars using federal COVID nineteen relief money. Uh, it's a forty three foot statue of a flying squid. It is rather big and it is mm. nicely done. Is it worth two hundred thousand dollars? I'm not so sure. Was that a good use of money, given the situation in Japan at the moment? The whole COVID situation is not going well. Um, the town was given six point two million dollars in coronavirus relief money. Um, they spent 2.5 million of that on infection control, 1.3 million to promote local businesses. And they spent 200,000 on a giant squid statue. The idea being <laughs> that people would come from far and wide to see the squid. And that this place is famous for squid, to be clear. Um, not that I've ever had squid from there that I know of, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm in two minds about this on the one hand, not great timing really, is it to have a, a statue like this when, Beds are filling up around the nation and uh, whatnot. Mm. On the other hand, I don't know when the decision was made. Maybe it was made at a time when, you know, made about six months ago when things weren't so bad because things have certainly picked up recently. I mm. don't know. All I know is do I hate th- giant squid, so I'm not really <laughs> enthusiastic you know, about it. Do you not think – I mean, it's just a bigger version of the ones you sort of see on, like, Dotonbori in uh, Osaka on, on the front mm, of uh, mm. shops. I mean, it, it does look as shit as that. Um, but it's <laughs> it's just so bloody big. And uh, and that's the thing with, like, sort of local councils in, in, in Japan. They seem to, like – if they do get a bit of money, they sort of go, let's make a mascot for something. Let's make another mascot that looks exactly the same as every other mascot. But it is uh, a massive, massive – uh, rendition of a squid. I haven't, I've got, you know, is there a hole? It seems to be a hole where its um, mouth is. Can you climb in it? 
I <laughs> that's that COVID compliant. I don't know, actually. I don't yeah. know what's in that hole. I don't know if I want to find yeah. out. Go back oh. to your point with the old mascots, though. I think if you're going to invest in something as a local tourism agency or whatever, I think a mascot's a good idea to some respect. To mm. some respects, like um, you know, remember Kumon the Bear that's generated a mm. billion dollars for the local economy. And uh, I'm trying to think of any others because that's the only one yeah, that usually stuck well. The uh, the um, the, the, the baseball one on John Oliver? team. John the Oliver. Ba- oh, I don't know. Is there Ooh. a fish? There's a fish. Sakana. Something no Sakana is one that is the Chiba Lotte um, yes. baseball mascot, and he uh, he just transforms all the time. Like he'll he'll sort of just explode, and there'll be a little man in, inside uh, with a little microphone, and it, it's it's <laughs> amazing. Like he just reinvents himself every few weeks. It's great. I, oh yeah, I, I did it. I did cover that in the video a few years ago. And there's Melon Bear, my personal favourite yes. Melon Bear, which is a bear with a melon for a head. And he looks absolutely terrifying. And there's a great <laughs> video of like a, a children's daycare center in Hokkaido. And then Melon Bear just turns up and goes, Roar! and all the kids are crying and running away. <laughs> and <laughs> not this... into it at all. I love it. I love it. The, the story for Melon Bear, <laughs> they have a little like crappy origin story for these mascots. And Melon Bear's story mm. is he's a bear that ate too many melons and then became Melon Bear. Too many of the tasty, delicious local melons. Yeah, what's the what's the message here? Don't eat too many of our melons. They're very precious, and you'll turn into a fucking melon. Well, he's, he's <laughs> the representative good. of uh, Ubari, where you remember right. Ubari King Melons, the sort of thousand yeah. dollar melons, which right, I okay. to sink my teeth into. But um, yeah, going going back to the 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 squids, I don't know if it's money well spent. I'm sure. I mean, if I gave you two hundred thousand dollars to promote like a town or something, what would you mm. spend it on? How would you invest? Yeah, you I think? mean, you'd get. I mean, you'd get. get I, I'd um, uh, push all. I, I would get a task force together, find the task worst force. people in the town, and push them into the sea. <laughs> that's, that's the what plank I'd do. scenario. Yeah, Pirate just sort of go pink. right. Okay, you've had it too good for too long. Let's clean this town up. You're the worst. You're the worst. You just spat on the floor. You're out. Get in the sea. <laughs> just push them all in the sea. My task Walk force. the Donaldson plank. But, I mean, <laughs> this town's got 16,000 residents. It's about 180 miles northwest of Tokyo. Uh, it's only a matter of time before I'm drafted in, no doubt, to promote this town mm. by some weird local <laughs> government authority. I agree. Uh, Riotta and I will be going there, probably yeah. trying to be enthusiastic about a squid, but I don't know. <laughs> I think they could have spent that on better things, to be honest, but mm. time will tell. I think it'll just sort of... Obviously, it's in the global media at the moment, but I think it'll just be swept under a rug and everyone will forget about it quickly. Oh, is it? Well, how say, many YouTubers have already gone there, though? How many sort of... Um, well, none yet. Vloggers, none yet. But that'll oh, soon really? Be, it'll soon be Ryotaro. Watch the space. <laughs> Ryotaro's Japan. That is a Ryotaro's Japan video waiting to happen. Um, but credit where it's due to Noto, they do have good beef. So you stick to the Noto beef here and um, right. avoid, the, avoid the squid. Oh, there um, you go. On the subject of sushi, though, we've got another story this week. A recent survey of 15,500 diners found that 6,000 people, 40%, uh, said... Is that 40%? Is that 40%? Yes, 40% mm. said they always add wasabi to the fish on their sushi and never make wasabi joyu. Uh, so basically, when you go out for sushi, a lot of people... You get your soy sauce naturally to dip your sushi mm. in, and then you get the wasabi yeah. and you... Now, a lot of people dip the wasabi into the soy sauce and sort of mix it together into this paste mm. known as wasabi joyu. And, uh, oh, is that, so it's got a name, has it? Right. I, I, well, I it's almost like a soupy kind of, yeah, it's kind mm. of a soup, I guess. And I mean, Salty, do you do it? Hot soup. I do. I yeah. do. Yeah. Because the stuff that you get in Itsu is like 
terrible sight horse and even worse <laughs> kind of fake horseradish uh, uh, wasabi. So, I mean, you're not, you're not, you, you are not spoiling the flavors mixing those two fuckers together. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a fair point. And that is my philosophy for kind of 100 yen sushi restaurants or conveyor mm. belt sushi, right? Yeah. Um, there's been a study conducted to see what proportion of people actually do that. So 40% said they always add wasabi uh, to the fish on their sushi and never make this kind of wasabi soy sauce. Mm. However, 27% said they mix the wasabi in with their soy sauce and 30% said they do it depending on the situation, making the practice common with over half of the respondents. So all the good sushi restaurants will kill you if you add (laughs) real wasabi to soy sauce because, as you mentioned a minute ago, most wasabi... Is fake, right? It's, it's horseradish mm. stuff. It's horrible. Whereas proper, we, decent wasabi from the root, if you mix that with soy sauce, it doesn't really, just doesn't work. Because like real mm. wasabi root tastes really nice, but it doesn't have a strong sort of kick to it that you get from artificial wasabi. So if you go to a good restaurant, don't dip your fish in soy sauce and don't put your wasabi in the soy sauce because they'll do it for you, right? They'll sort of stro- mm. stroke seems like the wrong word. What's the what's the <laughs> word? Caress, <laughs> the They will, they will douse. No, come on, douse, spray. Douse, they right. will put on the spray, soy sauce on the spray. fish. Nobody wants spray. Good luck. They'll brush. They'll brush the soy sauce. Brush the, fish. the soy sauce. There the we fish. go. Not douse. <laughs> not stroke. They'll put it on the spray. top right, and they'll put okay. the wasabi underneath the fish, um, and that's the way to do it. But I think right. it's fair game if you're going to like a cheap, crappy sushi place. Then mm. it's fine. Do it because it, the soy sauce. It takes sauce... the edge off the soy sauce. It makes it creamier and it kind of like it's yeah, very yeah. pleasant. Gives the soy sauce a bit of a kick, doesn't it? Because that mm. kind of artificial wasabi is not great. No. It needs to be sort of mixed with the soy sauce. But there you go. I, I've always, yeah, I've always wondered what the um, what the proportion of people doing that was. But there you go. Said twenty thirty percent said they'd do it depending on the situation. Mm. So I think most people are on the same boat as us. We'll be back in a minute <laughs> to go to the fax machine. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back to the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Dalton? <coughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> right. God, <clears throat> terrible. You've got smog. All right. Dear Chris and Pete, hello from San Francisco. Long-time listener, first-time caller, or perhaps faxer. This is from Nate. Like many others, I've been itching to re- return to Japan and uh, I've had my plans foiled by the pandemic. However, we're lucky to have one of the most vibrant Japanese-American communities in the country. I've been able to scratch some of my itch through the great Japanese food here, as well as stuff like our local Hanami Festival. My question, uh, do either of you have any favourite spots back home in the UK that remind you of your Japanese travels or scratch the same itch? Thanks to the great podcasts and videos. Nate, you got any uh, big Sakana um, hmm. that you recommended to me? Uh, it's been a lovely little sushi restaurant in uh, sort of Piccadilly. Any any of the pl- spots around uh, Piccadilly are really really nice. Yeah, there's a good there's a good Japanese restaurant called Engawa. Um, I don't mm. remember exactly where it is. I think it's near Soho. Near it's in Hamyard. Yeah. It's in Hamyard, and it's uh, it does. It's one of the few places in town that does proper wagyu. That's right. Because I remember I, when I when I went back to the UK for a few months in between teaching and YouTube stuff, mm. I uh, I was on the hunt for some good Japanese food, and I went. I wanted to have some wagyu kind of Japanese beef, but very hard to get it in London. Very hard. Mm. And Engawa was one of the only places that had kind of A5 amazing Wagyu. And it it's not overly cheap, but for a special occasion, <laughs> it's rather good. But yeah, I'd say kind mm. of that whole area around the back of Chinatown, we've got this sort of Asian restaurants and stuff. I mean, that's where all the best Japanese restaurants in London are. And um, mm. it's the only place in the UK where you can see like kanji characters around and about on buildings so, yeah, we don't really have much in the UK in that regard. Compared to, like, the US and the West Coast, we don't really have much Japanese culture in the UK other than that area. Well, I, I were like, well, I mean, look at even like, the Chinatowns around the world. Like, we have a very underwhelming Chinatown in London. In London. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, I think there's, it's bigger in bloody Manchester or, or Birmingham, to be honest. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's not it's not huge. very sort of packed in. But, uh, yeah, the Japan Centre around the back of Piccadilly as well. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's a little supermarket that sells uh, lots of great uh, sake and uh, just raw materials for cooking and stuff. Raw materials. Raw materials. <laughs> Copper, oil, <laughs> That's what iron. I call it. Get it at the Japan Centre. We've got one here from Habib who says, Hi, Chris and Pete. Considering some of the comments Chris has made before about his reasons for leaving the UK, like escapism and wanting to try something different, um, and also his comments about British people being quite defeatist when it comes to entrepreneurial ideas, I wondered if he is always, uh, if he also has anything to say about classism in the UK and how it compares to Japan. As a fairly bright, mixed-race Londoner from a fairly working-class background, class has always weighed heavily on me. Certain levels of academic and professional attainment are spoken of as if they're only reserved for entitled Oxbridge graduates. Do you notice anything similar in Japan? Are there class identifiers? Do people look down on others regardless of their actual intelligence or how nice they are based on their accent, appearance or where they went to school? Thank you for the podcast videos. Um, I discovered your work mid-lockdown last year and never looked back. Thanks, guys. Habib. Um, that's an interesting question. Have you got any thoughts on that first, Pete? Um, I, I mean, even, even as even as a... Uh... 
<laughs> even as a, a, a the, the whitest man in in town um and i i certainly uh i'm quite familiar with and certainly coming from the north um quite familiar with how um certain sort of identifiers uh, mm. <laughs> when it comes to um what, what people you're working with you sort of sort of realize oh right okay this is this is how you were able to afford to live in london <laughs> on a very very small wage uh because you've uh, got outside uh kind of finances and and, and mm. i think if, like i think sort of going to visit mates who were in like mate went to peter house in uh cambridge and, and he yeah. was one of about five kids in the whole of the school who was um suggested they might want to apply to an oxbridge uh an oxbridge uh um a college oh, and yeah. um and uh and he got in and and sort of walking around sort of with him around Peterhouse and sort of talking to, obviously, you know, you're 18, you're, I'm at university in Leicester, he's in university of Cambridge and I'm chatting yeah. to his friends and his friends, like they've all got, like they all had worse exam results than I did, but because they came from private school, um, they, they it was obviously um, assumed mm. that you would end up in Oxbridge, you would end up in on one of the red brick universities, but for, for, for me, um, uh, but obviously, my lived experience is very different to someone who is uh, is, is isn't white, um, and uh, it, it's 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 frequently. Um, if I was if I was uh, a person of color, I would very much um, sort of sort of it would fucking rankle with me to be quite frank <laughs> that I was that I could I I wouldn't be necessarily regarded as first in the queue to join any sort of club. I mean, obviously, I, I'd be further in the queue because I'm white, but like, yeah, I I, I do. I, if I'm feeling it, I cannot imagine what the uh, experiences of uh, my main my main takeaway from that story is your exam results were very good and you were secretly they were excellent. About you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, in history, baby. Well, you know, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, I mean, predicted D got an A. Up yours, Mister Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I had a teacher called Mister Lee as well. I um, Mister Lee was very nice. Actually, it was, it's funny it was the other one who predicted me. My bad. school was like <laughs> over the road from a private school, and for our school trips, it was always like we're going to the farm again and we'd be like oh and the school across the road would be like we're going to algeria yeah like oh it really sucks um and uh yeah i mean i'm from like a working class sort of background my parents both kind of working class and yeah i always i was always very aware of class in the uk um i was lucky i went to a grammar school which you have to pass a few tests to get into it's not a private right. school but i find that most people there were sort of a few classes higher than me and it was, yeah. it was a, it definitely weighed on me a little bit but it does exist in japan i don't i think the only thing japan has in its favor is people don't look down upon others as much maybe there's not as much snobby kind of behavior i feel like people are a bit more accepting mm. um you know whatever people's jobs we sort of accept that over here um but no it does it does exist like you do have the sort of political elite in japan who their parents and their family have been in the sort of have been in politics and then they're sort mm. of destined to go in there going to big universities like um tokyo and there's a few private ones but there is definitely a class structure here no no two ways and about it and, the, and there's that 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 kind of class is the barakamin the um the korean kind of uh, of korean extraction kind of underclass that are treated like kind of pariahs and, and, and they, they sort yeah. of remember those ones that are like it, there's not that many it, it's not as visible as it used to be but they're, they're kind of regarded as i think it literally means hamlet people um they literally regard as sort of being like villagers who live in cities and stuff and, and they just fit they're, they're just treated like kind of the hamlet people sorry. Hamlet, hamlet people, people. very enjoyable i love shakespeare <laughs> but uh yeah no, generally though i'd say japan while well, it does have a class structure it's not <clears> as <throat> it's not as pervasive as the uk historically mm. but i don't know i'm not really an expert on the subject so i don't feel 
like I should be qualified to discuss it. One thing I will say is the UK probably has better social mobility than Japan. I feel like in Japan it's quite harder to switch mm. classes or to switch groups. It's very hard to switch careers and jobs, um, which mm. is something I've seen Natsuki struggle with over the years. He would love to do lots of other things, but uh, he's destined to run a beauty salon, and he's finding it far, very hard to get away from that because most people just don't switch jobs or, or switch careers right. in Japan, right? Whereas in the UK, it's a little bit easier to do that. But yeah, it's, we'll have to do a bit more research on that and definitely cover it in a bit more detail on another occasion. Take it Indeed. away, Mr. Dawson. Uh, we got a message from Orville. Hello, Orville. Hello, Chris and Pete. Short question for Pete. Uh, your podcast company that oversees the Football Ramble and abroad in Japan is called Stakhanov, and I'm curious as to where the name comes from. That's it. Mm. Short and sweet. Thanks. Lovely little short email from Orville. Well, um, yeah, Stakhanov. it was a uh, it was an old school um, ex-Soviet, well, just Soviet uh, propaganda sort of. I'd say tool, but it's just basically this guy who, uh, under I think it was Stalin actually, rather distastefully, and I think that's why we're going to probably change on him <laughs> at some point. Um, uh, if we're completely honest with ourselves, um, he was he was this guy who was this miner who dug out more rocks than anyone else, like dug out more coal than anyone else, really? and he was kind of up. Uh, he was kind of up as like a poster boy uh, under Soviet rule that was like, you know, the, the, the idea that hard work is, 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 is great for the nation and stuff like that. So, so Stakhanov, um, uh, Alexandra Stakhanov, I think, um, he, he was held up as being this kind of like uh, this, this great guy because he dug more coal and worked hard than anyone else. He, he set the record for digging more coal than any other man. And I think we um, i think i mean to be honest it was like a holding company for a long time like when we were doing the ramble <laughs> stuff like it was uh we just had that company kicking around um and when we wanted to do new podcasts like wrestle me and um the apparently excellent abroad in japan podcast um we um we uh we thought oh, we'll just fucking we'll, we'll just call it stakhanov and then figure out something uh later down the line we will change it at some point i'm sure but Aww. uh it's it but it, i think it's i think we sort of thought well it's an int- i think it's an interesting kind of little kind of um, sort of, uh, you know, Russian tale, like folk tale effectively. Uh, and it sums us up as being, you know, bloody hardworking and um, yeah, absolute bloody legends. <laughs> oh, you've got a, a really thought provoking story behind your brand name about a Russian coal miner. And I'm just, I'm born in Japan. It's funny. It's clever because it's my name, Chris Broad. It's a pun, isn't it? That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Yeah. Really great Russian stories for me. But I don't, they can't change it. The Karnov's a cool name. I think I, I, I'm. What are you going to call of, it? Pete's I'm, I'm, happy I'm, company. I'm sort of quite, quite. I, I think. Well, I think we'll probably just shot it to, to stack, but and uh, we'll probably have it sooner rather than later. But I think you know, it's nice to have that lineage that it started w- with a reason. You know, we're hardworking, we're industrious, um, and and more than anything else, I think. Um, I think Russian history is kind of like in in general, like people don't necessarily kind of talk about it. People kind of steer away from Slavic names, I would say, in in in, in brands because um, they're seen as somehow you know untrustworthy business wise. And I think it's and I think I'm proud of the name. I'm proud of using like a, a Slavic name for a, for, for a company uh, personally. So um, yeah, we'll probably show it at some point because to be honest, people can't fucking say it half the time. <laughs> Stakhanov. Stakhanov. So, so, Stakhanov. People say Stakhanov. And, and to be honest, like people shorten it to stack all the time. So that's probably what we'll go go, huh. go for uh, in the end. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen, a masterclass mm. in branding from Pete Donaldson. He's not just yep. a podcast guy with a ponytail. He's a master of branding. <laughs> Slavic yep. name businesses. We got one here from Bread. Literally sincere. Bread. Bread. Nice. Hi, Chris and Pete. I love that we've gone from like we've gone through all these big discussions about class 
and yeah. branding. And now we've got a message from Brett. Uh, hi, Chris P. <laughs> Greetings from Orange County, California. How are you guys doing today? We're doing very Good. well, Brad. We're doing very well. I'm planning on attempting a biking trip across Japan based on your experience a few years ago. Are you now? Better not steal my brand name. What's your advice for someone <laughs> that doesn't have the luxury of having a team to check on you for your safety during the trip? Will I die? Will Google Maps fail me? Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Sincerely, Bread. Also, I'd like to see another Abroad in Japan video in Okinawa. I go there about once a year, and I feel like you would love to see what the countryside of the island has to offer. Thank you very mm. much, Bread. I would like to go Agreed. back to Okinawa. Any excuse to go to a beach. Um, mm. I, my advice for someone who doesn't have a luxury of having a team to go with them on the trip is, um, you know what? I think Journey Across Japan, if I wasn't filming it every day, it would have been fairly painless and a lot of fun. But because I was filming it, I wasn't just cycling like every day. I was having to think of a story, and that's where it gets really difficult. Um, mm. I'd say just use cheap hotels. We did stay in a lot of cheap accommodation on Journey Across Japan. Like You might remember, Pete, on your kind of four or five days, we stayed exclusively pretty much in upper hotels, which are mm. kind of like the cheapest hotels you can get that still have a bed and a pillow <laughs> and running water. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, stick with upper hotels. And yeah, don't use paper maps as Pete and I quickly, quickly discovered on our trip. <laughs> they dissolve pretty quickly. I Absolutely. mean, you say that like if you didn't have a didn't have a team to look after you, look after your welfare. I was like, I was on that trip, and I don't remember the team looking after our welfare. <laughs> <laughs> they did just drive we off. We left most our of own time. devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah they just sort of drove mate. off thirty kilometers down the road. <laughs> we had to catch up with them, but uh, no, it was useful to have them there, even though I don't remember what they did. Did they? Yeah, mm. they, were, they were useful. They were useful. But <laughs> they good luck, though, useful. Brad. Keep us informed. If you do make mm. this pilgrimage, if you do make this trip on the bike, would love to hear more about it. I have had quite a few like listeners and uh, viewers message me over the years saying they've been kind of inspired by Journey Across Japan. They've sent like photos, mm. and a few people have done you know cross country cycles. And I would love to see more folks do it because it was an incredible journey, and I would do it again at the drop of a hat. But I wouldn't film it. Never, never, ever again. <laughs> Keep the stories, questions, uh, comments coming into a Braun Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back to do it all over again on Wednesday. There you go. Yes, good boy. And we'll see good you then, night. guys. But for now, have a great start to the week. Have a good one. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. 
A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.